Hello and welcome into the Sun Devil Source Report podcast. I'm Chris Cartman. Normally you're going to hear Rob Warner's voice, but today we're doing a little something different. I'm joined by Manny Wilkins. Of course, you know him as uh, ASU's uh, three, three-year starting quarterback uh, now with the Green Bay Packers. Manny, how are you doing? I'm doing well, Chris. How about yourself? I'm doing awesome. I appreciate you taking the time to do this. Um, yeah. We're going to be putting together something on uh, what it's like for a new starting quarterback, essentially, mm-hmm. and, and trying to win that job. Um, but I also, of course, wanted to be able to talk to you about everything that you have going on now, maybe reflect on your 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 college career now that you have a little bit of more time and distance from it, mm-hmm. uh, and, and a few other things. So, um, you know, first of all, what what's What's it like when you have um, one of the best quarterbacks to ever play the game uh, who's in, 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 a, in a room with you and in, in Aaron yeah. Rodgers and also learning from him on the field? Yeah, um, it's uh, – I, it, I can't put into words just the, um, the level of elite, you know, so to say, that, that, that you get to see every single day. I mean – the no look passes and, and just seeing somebody take command of two men and calling plays and um, certain checks to certain coverages and just things like that. Just seeing him operate and, and you know, kind of be the field general is, is remarkable, let alone the, the talent of throwing the football. So it's uh, it's something that definitely I'm not taking it for granted and really being a sponge when I'm being around him. So are there any specific examples of things that you learned early on that were just, you just knew this is like so next level um, that you maybe, you know, just hadn't considered before or you didn't have the insight of somebody at that level um, that, that you were able to glean from him or maybe just watching the way that he does certain things? Um, you know, I, I think he has a very unique throwing style. Um, you know, I don't think anybody in the country or, I guess, so to say, the world uh, throws like him. You know, he's just very different when he throws in terms of um, arm angles aren't really a thing. You know, he, he's very light on his feet. You know, he's famous for the the jump throw. You know, uh, that's, that's how his release is with the jump throw. And, um, you know, before I even got to being in Green Bay, when I, when I started working in the uh, – working towards pro day and everything, I had kind of just like started flirting around with it a little bit. Um, so being able to be around him um, and see him do everything and have him explain it to me, um, it's been awesome to be able to to just try to, to pick up on some little things mechanic wise that just kind of makes you be a, a better fluent, more fluent thrower. So um, he's very, he's a very unique guy though. So, I mean, it's not like uh it's not like he's out there trying to do something. He's just being himself all the time, which is so cool. And what's really stood out to you in terms of just the difference of practicing at the NFL level and preparing? Uh, obviously, you have no, no game experience, but, but just the, anything that really jumps out at you in this early phase? Everything. It's a business. So, um, you know, college, you, got, you, tell, you tell the defense before practice, hey, no hitting, no anything. Um, in the league when they say hands off, no hitting. If you hit somebody, like, you're out the next day. Like, <laughs> you're cut. Unless you're, like, you know, some top dude, like, bye. You get another one of you if you don't want to follow rules. Like, that's just how it is. Um, obviously, in college, you can't be fined. Fines are a big thing. Um, but I think in terms of just the, the game, 
I would say for the position that I play, definitely the language of the game is, is different. You go from college and go to pros and I'm so used to signals meaning something. And like I get a, a list of signals and that's the whole meaning of something as opposed to being out at practice and having coach in your ear yelling and telling you the play or whatever. And then just having to recite it right back out and just roll with it. And there, I mean, a couple sentences long. So <laughs> it's a uh, it's different. It's a challenge, but it's something that I've been. Uh, it's making me appreciate the game a lot just because I know what needs to go into it and to, to be hopefully successful at this level. There Obviously, there's drawbacks to having, you know, four coordinators in your college career. Yeah. But do you think that that, in a way, maybe has a benefit in the, from a standpoint of the adjustments that you had to make throughout your college career, transitioning to the NFL with you know, learning languages and, and, and just uh, having coaches that are very different as opposed to having just, you know, one way of doing everything throughout all, co- all the college? Yeah, I mean, you know, here's how I explain it when anybody ever asks about the four OCs thing. Um, it's a curse and it's a blessing at the same time. Um, it taught me to be adaptable, um, to be able to go into games especially at the back end of seasons and you know when you finally get the groove of an offense of you know being in the same system or whatever where you kind of know the calls that are going to start coming in from having that relationship with your OC um that was I think one of the biggest things that it hurts a quarterback at the beginning of a year when you're new or if it's a new offense is um familiarity like with each other you know, it's it's a it's a relationship that you have to build and you only you only can build that type of relationship in a game type environment. So you can do all the practices at spring, all the fall camp practices, scrimmages, whatever it may be. But when the shit hits the fan, like what's going to happen when it's third down and seven game on the line and you got to know what call is going to come in from your coach. So you can be thinking in that process before your coach is even thinking in that process like that's those are the things that I didn't feel like I ever had the going into a season um, knowing exactly what we were and what we were made of. Because like last year, think about last year, we went into the season thinking we were going to be one thing and ended up having, you know, top three running back in the country. And and our game is completely different towards the back end of the season. So um, it's just something that if you had a quarterback with obviously the same OC for three years, four years, you know, even two years, to, to be honest with you, it's you go into year two, like going into year two of an offense, and you're like, okay, like now the next step is not learning all these, uh, learning all these concept names and everything. But now, now what we're doing is we're learning how to get out of things and transition into other things because I'm comfortable enough that I can do that and speak the language and just be a ball player. So there's just so many little things that go into it that, you know, I can make excuses about, but at the end of the day, I had some damn good OCs so I got to learn a lot from them and it kind of prepared me at this level to you know adapt fast and just get ready to go yeah but that challenge is is so significant I think one of the things I've told my audience is if you look at the 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 guys that would be considered the great uh, quarterbacks in in ASU football history uh, Jeff Van Raphorst Jake Plummer uh, um, obviously you, you got, um, Danny White, you know, was, was amazing. And probably Andrew Walter who set the PAC 12 records, um, they had continuity. They had, 
they had, you know, they were on good teams, yeah. both sides of the football. They had the coaching continuity. They probably had more understanding of what they were going to be going into any given year. Like you're, you're talking about, they had familiarity. Right. Um, you know, they had familiarity with a lot of their, their players also. Yeah. So you didn't really have any of those things, right? So, so you, I don't think people understand like how hard that actually is. Um, and, but yet you, when you're a player, you're not thinking, you're not able to, to talk about any, any of that stuff, right? Because you, you have to be a quarterback and be a leader of a team. Or when you have a bad defense, like, like your first year as a starter, um, you know, you guys had a, uh, ended up having a bad defense that year. So yeah. w- what is that like, you know, for a player when, you know, all those things are just kind of realities and you're and you're trying to do the best job that you can especially your first year as a starter and you have a you have a first year coordinator chip Lindsay. uh you know he's obviously a lot different than mike norvell you know in a lot of ways um just and that 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 adjustment i mean i just can't even imagine what that was like given all of those things yeah i mean here's the the issue with college sports um especially when you got coaches bouncing around everywhere and whatnot is which is why i feel like you guys are seeing a big increase um in the certain image that you know coach to portray um and have on the field of, of their type of guys is you know coach graham was in here and he ran a certain type of defense but when he brought in a different coordinator that liked a different type of defense so then now we've recruited guys of a certain type of body type, a certain type of build, a certain type of mindset and how they think. And then you throw a completely person in schematic wise defense and you don't have the right guys now in college. So now, 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 okay. So now we have to build, now we have to go hurry up and get a Juco guy. Um, instead of bringing in some 18 year old kid, you know, that you can truly develop into a system. You, we've never been able to have that in the years that I was playing. Like there was change every year everybody's different every everybody likes to use you know one tight end this guy might like to use two tight ends this coach might like to use zero tight ends like he wants to go we don't want to use tight ends we want to play fast um certain people want to use fast outside linebackers or whatever maybe stand up rushers on the edge like we we switched so much that it never was it never allowed us i feel in my in my eyes of of our offense and our defense while i was the starter at least is we never allowed the recruiting cycles to catch up and and have our actual team of what the coaches wanted our team to look like. So they're getting a lot of recruits within this last year or two years, and now Coach Herm will have his dudes on this field. Like yeah. he has, you know, this last class, Merlin, all those guys. This is the Those are the first group of his class, of his group of guys. So now you got the, the, the second year of his guys coming in, um, and then after this year, you'll have the third year of the guys coming in. And then now it's, it's the team that he wanted to build because that's where he came in and recruited these kids himself instead of just getting some kids based off of a scheme that Coach Graham liked or something in his, in his, on, his, on his field. And it takes yeah. time to do those things. And that's what you don't have. That's the issue with college if, you, if there's a lot of changes. No matter what, once a kid's clock starts, he has four years. It's no, there is no wait, wait, wait this is my turn. You have four years now. No, it's you go out there, you play X amount of downs, you redshirt. 
if you don't have to play extra downs or whatever, now your redshirt's gone. Guess what? Your clock is ticking. And your coach gets fired the next year. Now you need a new coach. Now you need all this stuff. You change. You try to change your style of play. All these, you know, it's just it's just a cycle that is never ending in college. Sorry for yeah. rambling, but it is. No, actually, rambling. that's why this is a uh, just the right format for this type of a conversation, right? So, um, so what were the the biggest differences from your perspective transitioning from each of the offenses that you guys ran, starting with going from Mike Norvell, like. You know, you get the ball out in space a lot. It's a lot of zone read, first, second yeah. level reads. Yeah. Uh, you got, you know, times when you get a lot of ability to 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 throw on the move with guys at multiple depths in your in your in your in your sight. I thought that was a very, I thought that was a very uh, perfectly suited style of offense for you. Yeah. And just my my personal opinion is that Lindsey's offense, and he didn't know you as well either. So he's trying to figure out what. You know, exactly. all these coaches are trying to figure out like what works good for Manny, right? And that right. takes that takes time too. But I just felt like his style wasn't as probably well suited for you, especially after you know, you know, you learned one system and now you're adjusting on the fly. So can you just go through a little bit about what each of the transitions were like and what the main differences were as you saw them? Yeah, um, I mean, the one thing I would for sure say is to obviously let it be known that this isn't like a, um like this is my opinion this is how I feel about a lot of things like you know some of it may not be you know statistical facts or whatever like this is just my thoughts on it and yeah um I would feel obviously being a young kid 18 years old at the time coming in coach Norvell um for me it was it was new I had a chance to be on my own um, I probably wasn't obviously as locked in with ball as, you know, I was going into year five. Um, I was just ready to get caught up and, you know, chase around girls and, you know, partying yeah. and all those things. I just wasn't locked in at the time. So I didn't fully dive into it. Um, that's normal, though. Exactly. Normal. Yeah. I mean, I, that's that's the thing that every kid always says is, you know, if I go back, you know, to freshman year, I'll be so different. You know, it's just. You hear it from every year. I don't care if it's 1950, 2019. Like, you hear it from the same people. Mm -hmm. um, but his offense was very, um, like you said, zone read, a lot of RPOs, a um, lot of uh, play action shots out of pistol, um, you know, getting, it, getting the ball to the running back's hands a lot, letting him be plays. I mean, when Marion was here and DJ was here, those guys were getting – the ball damn near every play um and uh he liked to use the tight end uh mm -hmm. you know we they used uh coil they used um uh who else was there coil cole um demarius nelson mm -hmm. um, there's just so many different guys that they used that tight end so that was like a big a big offense that used the tight end then coach Lindsay came in um and we went from very rpo zone read all that stuff to now it's just um zone read stuff but like different type of zone read like reads will be a little bit different and it's just it's like air raid football Go out yeah there and let's let's just throw the pill around that's all it is um and, and very pocket or, very pocket oriented yes very very pocket oriented um you know, one, two, three, ball out, one, two, three, ball, like that type of thing, like catch yeah. ball out, catch ball out, like rhythm, rhythm passing. That's what Graham talked about a lot at the time. Yeah. 
exactly. So, and then, um, I mean, there was opportunities for me to run. And I mean, honestly, I created a, a more opportunities than probably were called just based off, you know, that's kind of what we were. Um, and there'd be some times where if it wasn't a zone read, I'd make a call, switch it up a little bit here out throughout the game. When you kind of get a feel for the game, you know, I'd call like, you know, hey, leave the end unblocked or hey, leave the wheel linebacker unblocked. Let's read him or something like, you know, that those type mm-hmm. of things happen. Um, Coach Napier was, I would say, definitely the most pro style type offense that I played in. Um, in terms of just how how pros play football was how Coach Napier would call games. That's just – and I haven't been able to be in a game yet, but based off of our scripts and practice, like those type of things, the way that they brought over script taking and everything, like everything came from Bama when he came in. Mm-hmm. Like we changed all of our – like Coach Graham was like, Billy, teach me. <laughs> yeah. And we literally just – Anything that Coach Napier said, like, that's what went when we during that season offensively. And, like, how we did practice, how we got ready for games, how we prepared for games, like, all that stuff, like, the game planning stuff of things, like, Coach Napier, he ran that stuff and let Coach Graham know what to do. Like, that's just how that was. Um, so you, you saw like, – you, sorry to interject. You saw – I'm guessing you saw an evolution of Graham in your career in that kind of a way also. Cause uh, it was, yeah, it was a new, it was, I mean, it's the same coach Graham, but it, he was, it was a new, a new, uh, I guess, so to say mindset every year of who, of what we were going to be representing, you know I mean? Like how our style of play was and that type of thing. And, you know, he's very, he, he would always like, reflect on the past and you know everything was like analytical so you know on third and seven or whatever in 1995 when he was coaching at this school or whatever it may have been like this happened so it gets put into our uh our analytical chart so now even in 2018 like well this is what happened on third and seven when we went against this defense in 1998 like you know what i mean it's just like yeah very different, very different. Um, but, uh, but I mean, I loved him as a coach though. I mean, you know, you know, some coaches that care and, you know, there's some coaches that don't really care, but I I would definitely say he was for sure one that cared and invested in us and, you know, tried to do his best to make things go right. Was just sometimes change is what needs to happen. Mm -hmm. And what about, Um, what about this past season making that, that transition, um, or just, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, so going into this this year I mean I was really really hurt when coach Napier left just because I was so excited to finally in my head I'm like all right I'm gonna finally be able to go into year two of an offense coach Napier's still gonna stay even though coach Graham left you know I had the the thoughts of when coach Graham got fired okay everybody's gone I went through the emotional ride of everybody being able to leave and then being told somebody's gonna stay then I'm like, all right, I'm good. I'm back on my feet now. I'm going to just have a little bit left. That Now the, the important part for me is that my OC's back. He said he's back. We're good. Then a few weeks later, and then, then I go through a, or the roller coaster again. And now I'm like, gosh, what is going to happen now? Then Coach Likens tells me he's going to be, you know, the OC or whatever. And I'm like, all right, like, let's, 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 there's a little, it's not all new, but, you know, let's roll with it or whatever. So, um, I would say at first, you know, I was 
obviously excited for the new start, that type of thing. But I would catch myself like, well, if Coach Napier's here, I would have did it. We would have did it this way. Like right at the mm-hmm. beginning, like in mm-hmm. spring ball, that type of thing. Like, damn, why are we calling it this way? Like we should have did it this way. And that's how I would like in my head. I would never – there was never a moment where I was ever trying to be negative towards my teammates and show them that I, would, I didn't like something or something like that. Because like as a leader of a football team, like you said, everything you do is watched. You know what I mean? Like – yeah. I'm not there anymore, but guess what? That those those four years, three years that I was the captain of the football team, like I'm gonna forever be that captain of that group of men. You know what I mean? Like I'm gonna forever be that. Right. And um and so I could never show them on the field or in the locker room my frustrations towards something. Um, which which it's not a burden. That's just part of the game, man. It's part of being a leader, is the things that comes with it. Um but so with Coach Likens, everything was just a little bit different. Um, he did his best, man, to try and, like, keep some calls the same just so it wasn't a different picture in my head again, again, and again. But um, but in order for us to really get in a groove, we had to talk about simply, you know, making, like, um, a way for him to be comfortable calling with it how he knows he's, you know, meant to call games. Like, he can't be out there trying to emulate – coach napier so i don't want him to call it in coach napier's way because he's not coach napier he's coach like yeah. they have different mindsets mm-hmm. so um but man i dove in really hard with him i met with him every single morning for our whole season um we, we'd meet for you know hour and a half two hours or whatever and then we'd get after it we'd go out on the field we'd do whatever and i think for coach likens having a fifth year guy um I didn't need him to repeat something. So if he said something in, in our meeting room and we had a meet, meeting about it and talked about it in our meeting room, that was the difference from, you know, with Coach Lindsay. I, I would need a couple practices because it's new to me. You know what I mean? Like, it's all yeah. different to me. But with Coach Likens, like, he'd say one thing in the meeting and, you know, for a new quarterback, you know, these, these freshmen or, you know, a guy who's just a little bit younger, you know, they might need to go through three, four, five practices, see it in a game for for them to understand why this is the way he wants it to be. But I was able to be like, okay, got it, wrote it in my notes. I don't need to I don't need to dwell back on it with him. Like I, I got it now. And when we get on the field and he told me, you know, for ten seconds we had a conversation about when we get a certain look, okay, now read the four eye, but if the safety drops down, go back to reading the end or something like that. Like, I don't have to think about it because I just I picture those things in my head because I've been there before. So mm-hmm. that's what the biggest transition from going now to a quarterback that, I mean, virtually has um, barely any game experience or if any game experience at all. Um, they're going to have to go through some growing pains of just learning. It, you know what I mean? And they have yeah. a lot of talented guys in the roster that will be able to do this and, and do it at an elite level, elite level, I think. Um, Because they have a lot of talent around them to be able to now just kind of get the ball in the guy's hands and let them be special. I mean, they got a lot of playmakers that that are going to be on this team and playmakers coming in. So it's like it's going to be very friendly for the quarterback as opposed to, you know, quarterback having to make plays outside of the guys he has on the field. Mm -hmm. And especially when you have uh, a young quarterback. Young quarterback, six offensive linemen who are seniors. And all uh, coming back. Yeah, I mean, it's just like there's there's a certain level of maturity in the right spots of this football team, defensively, offensively, special teams-wise, that um, it's it's the, the foundation is set now. Like last year, yeah, we had myself being a fifth-year you know, quarterback, first-round first receiver, 
um, you know, uh, and, and a lot of pieces that a part of the puzzle that were out there that were great pieces, you know what I mean? Great pieces of the puzzle, but now they, they have the foundation lit of who they really, really want to be and who they really want to have on the field. And although they might not have, you know, five dudes who are 90 or above or whatever, maybe 85 or above, they have guys out there that are all that can play well together because they're meant to be there. <laughs> Like these yeah. are the group of guys that are meant to be there. This style of group of people that are there are meant for Arizona State football. Yeah. You know well, I mean? Rob Likens, he's you know he wears his heart on his sleeve, yeah. and he seems like he's just really genuine and will just kind of tell you whatever he's thinking. Um, never had I've never had a coach care more than Coach Likens. No, ever. Wow. So why do you say that? His. His his drive um, and why he coaches, he doesn't need to talk about it. It's just like it's a scene. You know, he's a, obviously a man of faith and uh, he's not shy to let you know that. But he's not going to ever, you know, steer you away to something else because he doesn't believe in that. Um, but what he does believe in is chance, opportunity and changing kids lives. And that's why he does it. He doesn't do it because he just loves football. Yeah, he loves football. But what he truly loves is helping young men make the transition into being men, like being ready for life. Like he's, he wants nothing more than to, for a player he had four years ago in college to call him while he's, you know, just working, doesn't even have to be the NFL, just working with a family and doing life the right way and, and taking care of his family. And those things make him proud. Like we'd be in a meeting and he'd get a call from, you know, a player he had six years ago at Cal or whatever. And he'd be like, man, like coach, I don't got, you know, I'm, I'm hurting right now. Like, I'm going through it. I don't know who else to call, but I had to call you. And he was out in AZ the next day, like, out at practice with us, chilling. Like, you know what I mean? Like, giving him, giving him a home for a little bit, let him get his mind back. And he was, like, in our meeting rooms and, like, feeling some energy from us because he needed that. And Coach Likens did that. That's what he did for him. So, it's like, those are the type of things you don't see coaches nowadays really do. And I've never – I just never have had a coach care more than he does. And I talked to Coach Likens at least once or twice every week still. Um, but I talk to Coach Napier as well, at least, you know, once every couple of weeks just to keep tabs with them. And because, man, these you, with this football world, you just never know. <laughs> There's just like – Coach Lackers could be a position coach in the NFL next year for a team that I'm on. Like, you just never know what's going to happen when it comes to co guys being coaches and players. So you never really want to burn any bridges with them. That's why, that's why I wonder why kids – do this whole episode of leaving a school and things like that. Cause like I mean, you've seen it coaches leave a school and then they end up at the school that the kid transferred to. Yeah. It happened it, to us. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. It, it seems like there's two, two schools of coaching. One is like really, uh, you know, authoritarian, you know, like iron fist, you know, discipline, you know, really confrontational almost. And then like the other smart discipline tough. Yeah. 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 You, you're saying yeah. it. And then, and then the other side is like more of the, the way Herm and his staff is with, which is like, Hey, you know, like there's expectations, but not as many rules. Uh, but we're going to let you know when in a, in a, in a adult way, when there's mistakes and there's going to, and there's going to be consequences for those things. Um, yes. What like, it seems like maybe the disciplinarian style can work initially, but maybe it will wear out over time. And the other way 
it we're, can, we're the living image. We're the living image of it starting out hot and wearing out over time. Right. So you agree with that? That's kind of what happened. A hundred percent. Yeah. Because that's not how you live life. You don't live life always straight edge. Need to be done like this. Do things like this. You know what I mean? That's not that's not how life is. Like life right. is a roller coaster. Life is up and downs and like you you need you need to play football the way you live life, right? So 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 I need to be relaxed and in my environment when I'm on that field. Like I need to be in a in a safe my safe spot. If you're if, if football is like what you love and what you when you're on the field, like when I go to to work to the Green Bay Packers, when I go to work every day, like I'm not like damn like practice like i'm out there like this is like my safe spot this is where i am in my in my element you know what i mean so you can't you can't you can't have a coach that's like you know you miss a throw and he's like yelling at you because you miss a throw and go do some push-ups or go do some sit-ups because you threw an interception like you want a coach that's out there like teaching you and helping you learn instead of punishing you for messing up you know what mm-hmm. i mean is it, is punish- it say it again is it is it tough do you think it's tough for coaches to walk the line be, uh, between trying to have a team that has discipline, but then also has the ability to interact with players in that kind of a way? I think I would imagine that there's just maybe not enough trust of teenagers or I just, yeah. I mean, I just whatever. think that the one people have changed. People have evolu- evolutionized to a, a different type of type of skin of like the way they feel and they're emotional about things like maybe in 1985 when everybody was still able to get whoopings at home and then not be on twitter you know what i mean <laughs> yeah like you can yell at a kid and you can grab a kid by the shoulder pads and throw him like god go do it up down like you know what i mean yeah but you in in 2019 the recruits that are coming into a college are in my eyes i mean yeah they're they're freakish looking they've been in the weight room like that's a thing now being in high school being in the weight room that is a thing um but they're soft man they're just like they're they're in there you know it's rare to find a dog like it's yeah. rare to find that dude that it's just like damn coach can yell at me and and me not get in my feelings and want to go talk about it on twitter like that is so rare now yeah. to find because of social media that is the thing that social media has really done is like elevated the and you see it like with these freaking transfer letters and like you know these recruiting videos of like dudes picking a school and it's like this big edited video and they got like rented a bentley for it and like all these the game is just so different man it's so it's it's too many kids that are look at me kids that's why when you find the ones that are special they just go out there and they just play football man it's not about this extra stuff it's not about you know, the, the followers. And it's not about how many likes I get on a picture. It's because they love playing football, man. And that's where the, the real separate from the dudes that are just doing it for the wrong reasons, for money mm-hmm. and for, um, for popularity, for that type of thing. And, and it's just, that is so much more common nowadays. And it just gets brought to light easier because of social media. And mm-hmm. um, with Coach Herm, though, I, like back to what we were talking, because I really, I think this is a really good point. With Coach Herm and his style of coaching, um, being a player, man, like I'll tell you, I played better my senior year because I knew I had a coach that believed in me. You know what I mean? I knew I had a coach that from day one when Coach Herm got on campus, every year that I was going into starting the first two years, those two years that or whatever, 
I didn't I, I was I was in a week before the game, I was still wondering if I was gonna be the one to go in and play. Like I had somebody mm-hmm. text me like Coach Graham said you're gonna start against NAU my first year on the radio. And then we had another one where it was just like he waited until the, the last couple of days before our first game of the season to even let me know like I'm I'm the I'm the guy of the team, I'm the starter or whatever. If you mess up, we're gonna put Blake like we're gonna put Blake in, like that type of thing. You know, like mm-hmm. that was the eggshells that I felt like I had to walk on my first two years starting was if I go out here and make a mistake right now, like I'm gonna get benched. Like that's gonna happen. And it never happened because like I mean all the quarterbacks we had here, like if <laughs> this is this is how I think to the fans, especially like when we had Coach Graham, are y'all seriously gonna sit here and you're gonna tell me to my face that Coach Graham, Coach Todd Graham, if he didn't feel like somebody else was better to step on the field, that he wouldn't have put them on the field. You know what I mean? He would have in a heartbeat. <laughs> he would have did it in a heartbeat. Yeah. He wanted, he wanted to do it. Like he tried to make that. He put did everything in his power to make that happen. This kid committed and had a freaking birthday cake with saying congratulations, Coach Graham, on your birthday. Like he right. tried to get this kid to be, you know what I mean? Like that type of thing. And cool kid, man, like all that stuff. But I just when I had to enter a different type of time, like I just had to take it as disrespect for me to for me to like really lock in. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Like, dude, you see I'm here. What's up with you? Like you something wrong with you. You know what I mean? So but did that do you do you feel like that dynamic uh had a um cascading effect through the roster when that all that stuff is kind of going on and everybody's aware of it. And that, that just the whole dynamic of coaching in that, in that kind of a style. Cause we had, here's is we had the dogs. He just ain't know how to tame them the right way. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like we I had, mean, we had, we had the dogs, like we had the dogs. And if, and some of the dogs that had to leave that I've left recently, yeah. if they were, if they got, were gotten to earlier and were tamed the right way earlier, this is like this game is completely different right now. You know what I mean? There's, yeah. It's a different type of. There's some players here that are special that are gone now, but they just they just weren't tamed early enough. You know what but I mean? It's, is it hard though? Do you think for coaches to to instill that in in their in young guys in a team without having that that iron you know fist ruling style? Like, how do you? I know Herm's very much like open door. You can come talk to me about anything. Oh, yeah. At the same time, we're going to, you know, like you have to do things the right way. Right. It, it seems like he he and this staff, I mean, there's not a lot of yelling at practices at all right. in the last year. It seems like they... You can't, you can't do that in 2019. I'm telling you now. It yeah, doesn't so, work. So it seems like this staff maybe navigates that in, in a way that other staffs haven't in, right. in my years covering the program. Right. But how? Like how? Like, how do you get guys in line if you're also not barking at so, them. So why we had things in line last year, like that was, I had the most fun last year in a season. Um, I felt, I felt the best about it. Like, yeah, we lost, you know, it pisses me off to this day. Like we lost some games that my life would be different right now. If we went and played in the Pac-12 championship, <laughs> like, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like things are, things are so different. And, and I take, I take a lot of the blame, um, just because that's who I am on, you know, a couple of the games, like, you know, if I made like two or three more plays in the Oregon game or 
made two or three more plays in the Stanford game or two or three more plays in the SDSU game, you win one more of those, the season's different. Let alone right. you win all three of those. Like, right. we're talking about top 15 teams in the country. And that's, like, that's how close we were. And that's why I don't know if people, like, really truly realize that because our record doesn't speak for the, the, the group of, of the team that we had on that field. Do you like, think that, that they'll be able to sustain the buy-in? Because, you know, when you yes. get – Yes. That, okay. Because yes. that first year is a transition and everybody's trying yes. to get on the field and everything. And here's, All- here's why. Here's why. Why they'll be able to continue that is because, one, they got some dudes there in that program that are the players that truly care and they're bought in. When your top dudes are bought in, like last year, the top dudes on the team, we were bought in. Like we were, we had to bring a couple dudes along and it took them a little bit. And you see, you saw in the half, the second half of the season, you saw, you know, people step it up a little more because they really bought in. Um, but they have dudes instilled there right now in that program that are bought in. And so the thing is with Coach Herm and, and why it is such a healthy environment is because Coach Herm is like, he's, he's done it. He's had the success. Like, he's his bank account is good. Like, <laughs> right. that's, what he, that's what he makes you – like, when he first got there, he's like, listen, I don't got to do this. Right. Like, I do this because I love to do this. Like, you guys I've, – I've been in the Super Bowl. Like, I've been – I've been the coach in the NFL. I've played in the NFL. I've been a college player. I've been a college coach. Like, I've done all of this. I don't have to do this. I'm, I, I want to do this because I, I, I love this game and I want to help take this university because I have some type of ties to it to the next level. So you guys can buy in because this is your team and it's on you guys. If you guys want to do it. So Nikhil, Manny, I'm letting you guys know right now, you're going to dictate what we do because I want to see if you guys are bought in. And that's what he would tell us one-on-one because you guys got to be the ones to get these other guys bought in. It's not my job. It's not my team. This Mm -hmm. is the leaders of this football team's team. Yeah, I remember you were very – the San Diego State game, you brought that up. It's a very frustrating game for you. The first half, you hit a couple yep. shots to Darby. Uh, the second half, nothing was really going, but you didn't take some of those shots. And I remember you stopped yourself uh, in the interview after the game from saying something that you shouldn't have said probably right. uh, about just – I think you said we should have, and then you stopped. And then you reframed it like I didn't make enough plays. Right. Um, it, it seemed like that game was kind of a turning point stylistically for the team when then you started to do a lot more of your the gap scheme run stuff. Right. And uh, can you just maybe give me your perspective on what that was like going through that game and then subsequently and then seeing the type of success that you were able to have uh, after that? Yeah, I mean, really like – I know I think Coach Lycan said the Stanford game is when he really felt like him and I started to click after that game in terms of, you know, being on the same page about things and, like, me understanding him more as an OC and a play caller and that type of thing. Um, But I really felt like after San Diego State, we sat down because if you remember, I remember in my press conference, like, I was was obviously livid of the situation and I made some comments about their DBs saying they were trash. and like to this day, like I just stand by and I'm not I'm not out there saying anything like we had the best wide receiver in the country and we didn't put the ball in his hands more. And we had dudes around it that were out there dominating these guys and we didn't put the ball in their hands more. 
and we should have did that. That was like that was how I was trying to, but I want I don't I was just frustrated in the moment and mm-hmm. and and I let my emotions get the best of me and my character it wasn't who I am, but it was a it was a moment of my character, whatever, right? So yeah. after that, we sat down, Coach Likens and I, and we talked about the situation and obviously um you know that that game also i had the the incident on the sideline where after the fourth and one call i was pissed off or whatever and like yeah. the slow-mo that was going around on social media like this is like this is just like this is again social media like if we don't have social media and all these snapchat and all this stuff like that wouldn't even be talked about you know what i mean of course instead it got, instead it got talked about of so course, had to, I had to be put into and we sat down and we had to talk about it and all these things. And I had to just simply let him know, like, look, man, I'm love being the quarterback of this football team. And I would never go out there and purposefully, you know, ever try to say anything that would ever be a negative look on what this football team represents. I take more pride in being the leader of this football team than I do being the dude that's on that field playing like that is your first thing is to be a leader the correct way so I'm gonna let you know like I apologize for how I acted how what I said or whatever and it won't happen again and guess what it never happened again like that's that is the understanding that we had because I was a fifth year senior and I got frustrated in a moment based off of something that doesn't need to happen like that does the quarterback and football team never needs to do that so we talked about it we squared out whatever it wasn't yeah. a big deal was that was that you wanting was that you wanting to run a play quickly or was that you not being happy with the play after the timeout? Um, we shouldn't have called timeout. I thought we yeah. were going to tempo. We were going to boom right away down tempo. You know, give our quick whatever. I don't. I ain't gonna say the call. I don't know if they're the same there. Boom. We yeah. gave our quick tempo call of a certain. Like I was screaming it before. Like the second it happened, I was screaming. I was already. I remember the call. Like I didn't even look back yet. I was like, let's go. Boom, 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 boom. Let's run this now. Let's go. And I look back and I'm like making sure we got personnel right and everything. But I'm just like making sure nobody's coming on the field because I'm trying to run this play. And I see that we go to talk call a timeout. And I was like, damn, these dudes are gassed right now. Like, why are we not just rolling on them? It's the last minute. And this that was a that was a very that was the that was the game. Yeah. That seemed to me like it was also maybe Herm and Rob trying to get all on the same page about when to go for it, when to kick a field goal situationally, when, you know, that kind of stuff, like maybe. So here's, here's where here literally exactly what you just said. Here's where it all changes. If you have the same head coach, same offense coordinator for the past two years. Yeah, exactly. And that's what we're talking about in terms of the continuity um, and everybody just kind of knowing what you do in, in, in situations or just having exactly. the, the, the fluency of, of your scheme and everything. Because in my eyes, when we step foot on that field with going into halftime, when we step foot on that field for that drive, like what, what should be what should be in our mindset is if there is a fourth and one call and we are inside the 15 or the 20-yard line, we need to know what play we're going to have because this is a pivotal time in the game and we've been in this situation before. So we need to make sure we have a play ready for that moment and we should be on the same page when we're walking out on that field of what calls are going to be made throughout this drive right but now, you can't do that with people that have not been together because you don't know each other well enough to be on the same page about those things right i thought that um the protections were were and the run blocking were both really good and that yeah. uh and and the team was extremely well coached in that yes. regard last year um you know with the offensive line and just everything that you were doing did did you feel really comfortable in that respect especially as the year went on and oh yeah and, i mean 
and it goes from having experience and being like, you know, I was so, I mean, people can say whatever they want. I run a lot, blah, 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 all that stuff. But you can't put on one game last year that I was flustered in the pocket. You can't right. do it. You just can't do it. I don't know. There may be a couple plays where, you know, the play before I got probably rolled up or something. So I got a little shifty quick, like, sure. But there isn't one game that I'm not comfortable in that pocket as a passer because I was very confident in our game plans and I was very confident in the offensive line that we had. Like, mm. I felt so comfortable sitting back there and just throwing the ball all year long. It was – there was sacks and all that stuff. That wasn't – that wasn't even, like – I didn't worry about that, like – the, the the years before, like my first year starting, yeah, I would be I would be lucky if I if if I got sacked less than five times a game, like yeah, that was mean? bad. So, I guess I just wanted to ask you about your as you kind of how you reflect on your own development and maturity over the years. You mentioned it earlier, yep. Um, but you know, fans don't get the same experience as somebody who's you know covering you every day and. You, I, I just, I remember you as your first year starter, um, you just didn't have the same energy or the same openness or, or conversational style or willingness that you had when you were a senior. And right. it just seemed to me like you grew up so much in those yeah. three years. I did. I did. And, for sure. and so, so like, how do you reflect on what that was like, um, in your life and, and how it's going to be able to pay dividends moving forward yeah i mean i think that uh i really came into my own i feel i feel like last year in terms of like leading the right way and you know really having a group of dudes you know that were i knew that they saw how much that the university meant to me how much that football team meant to me how much just being a part of this program meant to me um, and what I had invested in the years that I had been there. So it, those dudes stepped up and when, when somebody would get, you know, me yelling at a dude, cause like just, just how it was last year, like in our running and stuff like that. Like I just, I wasn't going to put up with anybody just wanting to be mediocre. Like mm -hmm. I wasn't, I wasn't putting up with the bending over, you know, in the middle of our workout, like we shied away from that, um, you know, when we got towards the back end of our of of the last few years or whatever, like we started just letting things slide and things like that. So like last year, I just I wasn't letting it happen. Like and I didn't care if it came to a point to where something was almost confrontational. I was going to stand for what was better for the team. And mm -hmm. if I needed to be called out for me bending over or something like that, I let it be known to call me out for bending over or something like that, because I need to be held to the same standard that I want to hold this team to. Yeah, that's that sounds like the the something that you have the ability to do as you know with two years under your belt as a starter and a senior. hundred percent. Yeah, hundred percent. And it, and it just it got to a point to where you know when when somebody was was saying otherwise and they're like, man, shut up, just let me do my thing or whatever. Like the good teams, then then the other leaders step up and they're like. You know, then the kid walked up and he's like, nah, like, get your ass up and, and let's go do this. Like, yeah. I don't know what you think this you don't have an option. It's it's do that or we don't need you. Like that's that's this that's just how we operated last year. Like this team, if Coach Herm is gonna really sit here and tell us this is our football team, then we need to do this the right way. Like, let's not go out here and and just 
piss off this moment. Like, let's t- capitalize and make this team better. And that's where I felt like last year, the, the, the main thing that got done last year was we set the standard and we set the foundation of what they need to be held to so that when these new young dudes come in, there there is no transition phase. It's you're, you're in or you're out. Mm-hmm. I felt like watching you over the years that uh, it, 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 you could just tell how much it meant to you. Uh, there were so many games when – you know, you had you, you you had just been wiped out by a loss, like just emotionally devastated by just a regular season loss. Like, and and you know, obviously you 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 had moments of, of interacting with fans um, on the sidelines who maybe were critical. I can't imagine, you know, how 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 tough the Stanford game was, the way that that ended. Mm-hmm. Uh, like, what is it like when when you know? you just pour everything that you have into it. And sometimes you're getting booed or taunted by your, your own fans or just, yeah. just the, the, what it feels like to lose a game when, when you've invested everything that you have in it and you're, and you're as competitive as you are. I used to, I used to really like probably my first year starting. Like I really, I would care what, what the, the, the fan base Mm-hmm. thought of me and how they thought I had a, ga- a good game or a bad game. Like, I would care what they had to say. But last year, completely different story. Like, I knew I knew what I brought to the table. I knew what I had to do to lead that football team the right way. And there was just so many – from the jump, there were so many just non-believers in terms of the coaching change um, and and people that just don't understand football and they just read what they read on Twitter and then that's their opinion of football is what they read on Twitter. Mm-hmm. Like, that is so easy to to negate through now. Like, I don't even have to look at it. Like, I don't, I don't have notifications on my phone that when somebody tweets at me, I get the notification. Like, I, I just – I'm so unbothered by what anybody has to say. And sometimes when I go on there and I do go through it, because you're going to go through it, there's sometimes that I do go through it, I literally can't do anything but laugh that people are so bothered about something that they feel the need to message you or write you on Twitter. Yeah. And none of these people would in front of your face ever confront you. Like, sure, you're going to yell at me while you're sitting in the stands, you're sitting behind me, and there's cameras everywhere. The cameras are on me. They're not on you. But you would love to have that moment of me yelling at you to take a picture of it on TV and rewind and go post it on Twitter and say, man, he yelled at me. Like, you would love for that to mm-hmm. happen. And the other thing, though, it's, I mean, I hate to say this, but fans, their knowledge of all the variables and factors of everything that's, that's taking place and is, is so small. And even the reporters and people who cover you, including myself, like we have a fraction of the, the knowledge that, that is almost necessary to make the types of judgments that people are making. Right. Right. So how hard is that when you're sitting up there and you're every, you know, every week, two, three times a week, you're, you're being asked all these questions Mm -hmm. and you know, like in your answer that the the, the way the question is being asked, that you can't educate the people (laughs) to the degree that they need to have to be able to form the opinions that they're going to have about everything. Like that right. seems almost like that to me, that would be almost, you know, like just overwhelming to have to go through that all the time. Yeah. You know, I what, mean, what, yeah. I mean, is it like frustrating? Like how, what's that like? I mean, or do you just get so used to it that you just can't even really, you just got to let it roll off of you. I mean, you become so like, 
you know, like going into interviews, I knew what questions were going to be asked just because like you did a good job. Um, who else did a good job? Uh, Holler did a good job um, of just asking like questions that were questions to help educate people mm-hmm. on the game and educate people on why we were doing certain type of schemes and things like that. Like the question of like on on that third down play in the second quarter, it looked to be that you yelled at Frank. Why yeah. did you yell at Frank? Like, why does that matter? We didn't make a play on the field, and the play on the field led to us not converting something. Like, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. talk about the game. If you if you care enough about the sport, talk about the sport. Like, why are you so worried about all the extra stuff because you know it's gonna get clicked on? That type of thing. You know what I mean? So you yeah. you know what you need to say in an interview. Um, and, and I did my best of, to just like simply, I, 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 the one thing that I was, wasn't going to do was I was never going to go into an interview and I wasn't going to speak from something that I truly believed in. And if I disagreed with something, I would say, I disagree with it. Mm-hmm. And I would say, I disagree with it in a respectful way though. You know, I, I would say I didn't, I didn't like something in a respectful way, or I just, I just felt like I, I knew how to respect respectfully say negative things when they needed to be said like when we're not playing good i'm not going to go out there and tell you guys we're playing good like we played like dog shit we play like dog shit you know what i mean like that's yeah. just, that's just the, the game like we're not perfect people and what sometimes people forget is they forget that it's people on that field playing like <laughs> there's yeah. kids out there that can't handle you messaging them on twitter like some kids really go home and cry about that stuff yeah like, i mean it's still college kids the, the egghead you know Tom John 402 that tweeted at him saying, go kill yourself because you missed the field goal. Right. Right. And, and, you know, obviously everybody when they're college has regrets and things that they, you know, made mistakes on, but it wasn't so magnified as college football players. So, right. uh, Yeah. So what if, 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 you know, let's say Joey Ellen, Jaden Daniels, Ethan Long, they, they, these guys come to you and say, like, what, like, what do I really need to focus on? What are the things that I need to be aware of? What do I need to know? Help me. Like, just, hey, Manny, help me out. Give me some advice. What, what, what would be the main things that you would tell them? Remain true to who you are. Like, who you are is what got you there. Make sure you stay to being who you are. And that doesn't mean be complacent. What that means is elevate yourself elevate you elevate what you represent make you better because you got recruited to a certain spot because you were you don't go there and let them try to make you somebody else like there was one thing that i for sure like i wasn't coming to asu to be taylor i wasn't gonna be mike like i'm gonna be manny and if you don't like manny then i'm i'm leaving or you're not gonna have any choice but to play me because i'm the guy like you know what i mean like that type of thing like i'm not going to sit here and you tell me somebody did it this way, so I got to do it that way. Like, we're different. We are different people. Mm-hmm. Do you think that uh, guys, they press too hard when they're, when they're young or they try to make too many plays when it's better to hit the check down and, oh, you know, all, all that? Like, so, so like, when you, when, you, when you reflect on you trying to win the job, you know, as a sophomore versus – you know, what you learn, what you know, you know, now, what, what, what is that like? One, especially with the competition, like you can never, I got caught doing it my first year when I was in a competition for the starting job. You never want to sit there and um, 
keep track of what the other dude's doing. Like, mm-hmm. don't be like, oh, he just threw a pick. I got to go out here and I got to throw a touchdown this time. Like, I got, I have to do it. Like, we have the same set of plays, so I need to go out here and do way better. Like, when you start pressing those type of things and you start playing because of somebody else's play, that's when that's when you start playing bad. Like, that's when you start losing yourself. You know what I mean? Like, you got to be you. And when you make a mistake, you need to teach yourself not to make that same mistake again. Like, that's just the type of time you have to be on. You can't be so worried about um, all the outside things. You got to control what you can control and let the rest take care of itself. Like, if you're out there and you're making plays and you're balling because you're balling, like, that's going to get noticed. Like, you're going, you'll be noticed because they, they want to put the best dudes on the field. So if the best dudes are going to be on the field, that means you need to be the best dude. Yeah, and how hard is that to when you have never played before and you know you're in a competition and you're you're probably going to press sometimes. It's hard. it's hard. It's hard, but that's that's when you grow up. Yeah. That's when there's like I tried to tell Dylan before like you don't when he went and he started playing my biggest advice to him was I'm not going to be easy on you like Bro, you don't got time to be no 18-year-old freshman, bro. You got dudes with kids on our team like that are depending on you going out here and playing so they can get a chance at the NFL. Like, that's happening, bro. Like, you need to lock in. Like, that type of thing. You know what I mean? Because yeah. it's, it's, it's the reality of it. Like, if Jaden thinks he's going to really come in here and be the starter of this football team next year, he needs to realize, like, he don't got time to be no 18-year-old freshman. Like, you need to go out there and you need to play like you're a fourth-year vet. <laughs> like, have have you gotten to know him or the other freshmen enough to get a sense of whether or not they have that sort of maturity? Uh, definitely, I've talked to Jaden. I talked to I talked to Dylan twice a week. Uh-huh. Um, I talked to Jaden, you know, here and there, you know, and I've I've I'm not here to tell them how to do things. Like I went in that and I told them, I said, listen, if y'all need anything, like. I knew what it was like to have people guide you and show you the right way and try to give you pointers. Like, this is on y'all to make y'all decisions. But if you need anything, like, please do not hesitate to reach out and ask. Like, and if I'm not busy, like, I will for sure, like, sit there and try to help you with this opportunity because I know what it was like to have somebody help me with my opportunity. Um, so, like, I, 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 I'm an open book for them. Like, what they ask, like, you know, Dylan asked or whatever, and I'm like, bro, like, I just think the thing you need to do is lock in. Like, I think you just need to be yourself, but be yourself to a, 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 a professional level. Like, bro, you need to treat like this is year one in the NFL and you're trying to keep a job. Like, mm-hmm. if you treat it that way, like, you might act different on that football or in the locker room or outside the locker room, and you acting, you know, more mature outside the locker room might make your ass more mature on the football field. And when you're more mature on the football field, you see football differently. Yeah, and the, the, uh, you know, it's such a finite amount of time that you have. And a lot of guys, when they know they're not going to be the starter, they're not as dialed in as when they then have a chance to be the starter. But it's a catch-22 because it it was by being focused and dialed in earlier in your career that you're able to maximize opportunity when you do become a starter or if you you are going to be able to get that chance. And that's where good separates from great. I don't, I don't know how else to tell you, but like yeah. they're going to go through growing pains. They're not whoever is a starter. They're not going to be perfect. I wasn't perfect going into year five. Nobody's ever going to be perfect. You know, they can they can pull up all these things. But, you know, that's that's just the fans. Fans don't understand like. The. 
some people just don't get football. Like, yeah, there yeah. we had we had a three thousand yard passer, one thousand yard receiver, a sixteen hundred yard rusher. Rusher, like those are numbers. Only Clemson. Clemson's the only school that did that besides you, and that was just barely on. Yeah, uh, yeah. But those are things like Taylor and you know DJ and Jalen do that, and they just won two more games or three more games, whatever it was. They're freaking like, you know what I mean? Like, oh my God, best to ever do it. Well, that's 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 why I say that you like didn't have the benefit of the the consistency, a defense that was as good um in you know 2016 2017 as they had in 2012 13 you know um and and all these other variables that you really don't have any ability to control right yeah, yeah well I mean, Manny, like, that's why that's why i think the defense is going to be it's really going to level up this year i really well, I, I, good I really right because they have like, they were the youngest defense in the country last oh, year they're about to and, they're about to level up major like just the like Ashari, Merlin, um, D Black, like the level of confidence that these dudes are going to have going into year two of we went to the Kali, we took we took care of that. You know what I mean? Like we went, we played in some big games. We went and played in Washington their freshman year when Washington is like top team. You know what I mean? Like yeah. they're, they're gonna have that that juice under their belt that is really it's it for them. And and like that's why I'm excited to see these dudes be generals on the field this year defensively, especially is like they're going to have a group of dudes that are built for that system. Like they have their guys that they recruited for the system. Now, like I was talking about earlier that it's just, they got more depth and they, they're just going to be a lot better. I just know. And, they will. and Brandon, Ayuk and Kyle Williams and, and there's, there's oh, offensively, man. Yeah. There's weapons, man. Frank you got Eno Benjamin. I don't care yeah. about nothing else. If you have a talented <laughs> running back that understands protection that understands like you know this is this is like what like you know gets on the plane and like when we are watching film on the plane right after a game like we're not on there watching film like Eno's on there watching the film not looking for highlights and his spin moves like he's like damn why did I hit this gap like I could have maybe shifted my my body you know my ankle on my body a little bit better from the start and i may, maybe was able to hit this gap and instead of it being a three-yard game could have been a 10-yard game that would have led to a first down or you know like that's how he thinks so like there's a yeah. different type of level of, of preparation that goes into dudes that are great you know what i mean like mm -hmm. he's on there hey cole can you please tell me why when we ran outside zone right why your body was a certain way that it was so that i know when i get out there and I'm seeing your type of block. I know where I need to run. Like he does. That's, that's what he does. Like, you know what I mean? Why are, why offensive line on this certain run? Why are you guys blocking up to who you're blocking to? Like, what is the main guy you're working? Like, those are the things that he focuses on, which makes him great. Yeah. Totally. Now they have talented receivers in Kyle and Frank and Brandon and Jordan Porter and, <laughs> Um, and freaking Tommy's going to be a third year freaking starter, tight end, fourth year starter, whatever he's about to be. Like, mm. you got dudes on that field that are ready to go make plays. Like, their receiving core is is about to be awesome. Like, yeah. yes, you lose the kill, which is like a big loss, but you're able to, now these dudes are going to be on that field. Like, that ball is going to be able to be distributed to whoever. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, when the kill's on the field, I, in my head, Nikhil is the best receiver in the country. So, <laughs> That dude needs to get that rock. You know it's about I mean? to be. It's about to be a ton of man coverage, though. Um, so and that's. But that's what you want. Like with yeah. us, we would get man coverage in like critical moments. But they would. What 
the majority of the teams were clouding the queue. Yeah. Mm-hmm. The majority of the teams that we played last year were, were and there was no one-on-one with the queue. It was, I'm going to press bail on the queue, but there's going to be somebody that you can't throw a short route so that I can do that. Or I'm going to play trap under him and I'm going to follow under him and there's going to be a safety right over top of him. So you guys can't get him the ball. You need to make other people make plays. They're going to try to make whoever the quarterback is this year beat you oh, in those types of ways. And, just, you know, it's going to be how it was year one for me. They're going to load the box. They're going to play yeah. man-to-man coverage. They're going to blitz the hell out of them. And they're going to say beat us with your arm because we know your running back is nice. Yeah. Well, there'll be there'll be opportunities to throw the ball to Eno and man coverage, you know, in some mismatches. I, oh, I, and that's I, what I like that was my favorite play last year was when we when we when we had Eno running back those, mesh on those. Yep, the little mesh, and he would just come out the backfield, and they would run man to man on us on third down, and he would catch that ball and go. That that's that's what won the game for us, Michigan State. Yeah, that I play guess. that play won the game for us, Michigan State, when we were coming out. We were on like the fifteen or whatever. I believe it was third down and seven, third down and eight. And we ran, we ran that exact play, running back out to the flat, and it was man-to-man coverage, and he caught it and went up the sideline for like 45. True enough, a few months ago, I, I mentioned that play to Rob Likens, and I said, that, Rob, that play worked like every time that you used it. How many times did you guys run it during the season? And he actually queued it up, and I think it was like seven times maybe, and it went for an explosive like six times. It was like six out of seven or five out of six. Yep. That it went for an explosive, and I and I just said, "Well, you're gonna probably have to run that play more this year, the way that teams are gonna defend you." Um, and he he got a good laugh out of it, so that that was pretty funny. So that was definitely like the play that really stood out to me. And I think um, you know I wouldn't be surprised if Eno ends up with 50, 60 catches this year. I mean, he he could be the second or third leading receiver on the team. The way that you know things go is you know especially if a quarterback you know, makes the most of the opportunities. Yeah, you know? I just it, it just depends. It's either going to be that or Eno's going to just have a lot of rushing yards again. Like, well, like in, my eyes, in my eyes, what's, what's going to happen is they're going to load the box early. Um, and if the quarterback's playing good, then it's just going to go back to um, they're going to just do these regular defenses and Eno's going to light it up again. He's gonna light it up regardless. Yeah, but it'll it will be hard for him to run for sixteen hundred again because they're so focused on nothing but him. Yeah. So speaking of you know, um, remember the uh, the Vegas Bowl that yeah. I gotta just talk about my most embarrassing moment in my career, yeah. uh, which you were an eyewitness to. And, um, <laughs> so we're we're you know we're at this press conference and there's a few dozen people in the room and cameras, and you had. Jeff Tedford and a couple of Fresno State players and you and Eno were there and, and, and Herm, of course, was there. And uh, after I'd asked a question, I, I, I was tweeting about it. And then uh, somehow I clicked on an ASU football video on Twitter that had Frank and Starby and somebody else were kind of like yelling and screaming in downtown <laughs> Vegas for where, where you guys were the night before in the Fremont experience. And I tried to, I tried to exit out of this thing and I, I just like probably panicked or whatever, didn't do it very well. And the next thing I know, I get hit with something. You got hit and, with a water bottle. Yeah. And, 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 and Herm was the person who threw the water bottle and it hit me in the leg. And yeah. so what, what was that like from your perspective? Because everyone started to cracking up and I was just super embarrassed. And that's Man, really amazing. I, just, I knew it was like one of my last interviews that I was going to do um, and, and being a part of ASU and things like that. So like, it was just such a perfect environment. Like, 
I don't know. It just it was it just felt like such the right moment for something like that to happen. And I couldn't help but just laugh because I know how serious you take your job and I knew yeah. how embarrassed you were. Yeah. But what happened was is Herm took the embarrassment off of you. See, he was he he made a play for you so that you didn't feel so embarrassed. You know what he I mean? He did. That's right. That's a good way. I hadn't even thought about it like that. You, you gotta think of it like that. Like he knew, that's what it was. He knew that you messed up. And you knew you messed up because you care about your job. Yeah. So we he made it a joke and threw a water bottle at you, so it wasn't as serious as what as what you know maybe some people would have really took it as. And that's kind of a metaphor for the way that he is a little bit. And hundred percent. Yeah. Well, that's I, I I appreciate you saying it in that kind of a way, and that's yeah. that's absolutely true. Well, hey, Manny, I I really appreciate your time. Yeah. And um, I, we unpacked a lot in this conversation. Yeah. And I hope that ASU fans will, will, will find it enjoyable uh, and also, you know, just take something from it that they'll be yeah. able to, to, to think about the next time that they watch the Sun Devils play. But again, I just want to say one of the most passionate and, and like, the hardest, you know, core of ASU players I've ever covered or been around and it's, I just want everybody to kind of know that. And also, um, you know, just person to person, just the way that you grew up and matured uh, over the last few years, it made me a fan of you personally and everything that you've been through in your life. Um, I'm going to be really rooting for you uh, the rest of the way. OK, thank you, man. I appreciate that. Absolutely. So for Manny Wilkins, I'm Chris Carman. Really appreciate everybody listening to the Sun Devil Source Report podcast. Yes, sir.